0: Oops, that's not the right button. I can talk like guy. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're off uh we're off to a great start. Well Lloyd is here. Or we're done both. Not yet, Lloyd. <laughs> hey, not, you're not, just
1: being optimistic not, of what's to come.
0: Not until the wood tonight. All right. Well, hey, you know, it's good it's good to get that first mistake out of the way. That way all the pressure is off. It is first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. And uh, Renee, God, there's so many. There is so much news out there to talk about. But I got to be honest. What has been dominating my feed for the last 36 hours has been uh, the death of Matthew Perry. I know. And uh, you know, we know that he's had his his struggles with substance abuse, but. I've got to say, that being said, I was still shocked when I saw the headline.
1: I know. I couldn't believe it. I was at a a Halloween party and just casually scrolled onto Facebook for a quick second and went, no, 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 no. This isn't happening.
0: Yeah, I was at a Halloween party, too. My mom actually broke the news. She's like, did you guys hear Matthew Perry died? I was like, no. And then I Googled it, and there it was. I mean, he was pretty young. He was 54 years old. We all know the story now. Uh, He was found in the hot tub of his home. Um, They said it was an apparent drowning. Now they're saying it might have been cardiac arrest. Uh, No drugs were found at the scene um, and no foul play. And, um, you know, I have to be honest, I never really watched a lot of friends. I actually became more familiar with Matthew Perry uh, from his battle with with drugs Classic, classic example of of the of the person who makes you laugh the most uh, is is often the most tortured on the inside. Yep.
1: yep. You know, I I did not realize that uh, Keith Morrison was his stepdad. I didn't learn that until this weekend. The Dateline NBC guy. Yeah. Oh,
0: I love that. I didn't know that either. Yep. Um, and, and you know, the the toxicology report hasn't come out yet. The autopsy report hasn't come out yet. Um, so we don't know if he drowned. We don't know if it was cardiac arrest. Um, I personally believe Renee he did not overdose. My guess is probably what happened is all the drugs he did back when he was an addict, and, and he he really tried to get clean. Um, multiple stints in rehab, multiple stints in detox. Um, I, I think probably what happened is 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 he had been clean for a while. And just all the damage that he did to his body back when he was an addict just kind of caught up with him.
1: And maybe so. You know, and I don't know about you, but what I do when something like this happens is I go to social media and check things out. Mm -hmm. His last picture he posted on Instagram was him in a hot tub six days prior. Right. In his hot tub. And I thought that was a little
0: eerie. A little bit eerie. But we were talking about it um, you know, before the show. And if you have health conditions, you're not supposed to go into the hot tub. And, 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 you know, that kind of goes to my theory. And we'll find out when the autopsies uh, release that um, his heart was probably weakened from the drugs that he did. He didn't know it. And he didn't know going into the hot tub was going to be a health risk. And then uh, they say if you away. have
1: health risks, don't spend any extended period of time in a hot tub. And, you know, I've been in a hot tub for a long time, went, ooh, feeling a little lightheaded. I better get out. Right. You know? Yeah. I thought this was also interesting. Speaking of social media, as of last night, none of the other five main friends, cast members, had commented on his
0: death. That is weird, and, and I don't follow any of them on social media. I kind of just assumed they did or they would have come no, out publicly. No,
1: Jen Aniston, no Courtney Cox, none of those guys, which is kind of strange, isn't it?
0: Well, you know, he did write that book last year, and he was kind of all over the place, and he he looked rough, but he seemed like he was clean when it happened. However, that book... Might have burned a lot of bridges.
1: Possibly.
0: And or I don't know, maybe they're maybe they're planning something jointly amongst them. I don't know. Plan
1: a joint statement. I mean, that that, that was a big part of all their lives. Say something. Sorry. R.I.P. I I don't know. Right. Just
0: a just a tweet or something.
1: something. Mike, just know you go in a hot tub. I'm saying something about you, buddy. I got you, boo.
0: Even if I survive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) Even if you take a day off, I'm going to at least say I miss you. See, I got to (laughs) say,
0: well, thank you. Uh, I got (laughs) to say, though, you know, Renee, I'm kind of private with stuff like that, too. So, I don't know. They could be grieving. I guess. I I, don't know. I I I just
1: feel like you're in that spotlight, that situation you're saying. something.
0: Yeah, it is a bad look. I do have to say that. All right. So, uh, over the weekend... The UAW and Sean Fain did what the UAW and Sean Fain do and, and threw us a little okey-doke, a little, little <laughs> head fake over the weekend. Friday going into Saturday, all eyes were on General Motors as the next automaker to reach a deal with the union, GM uh, CEO Mary Barra. She was personally involved, and everyone was, was thinking GM was going to be the next one uh, to make a deal.
1: I thought it was done, honestly.
0: And, and, and everyone thought that Stellantis was actually going to be the toughest one. Uh, To get done, but um, um, by Saturday afternoon, a tentative agreement with Stellantis was reached, and the UAW called to expand the strike against GM at their Spring Hill, Tennessee assembly plant. Uh, Stellantis deal largely modeled after the Ford deal, which Sean Fain endorsed yesterday, and has moved on to ratification. Eleven percent wage increase right away, with twenty five percent wage increases over the four and a half year life of the contract. Cost of living increases will actually. Bump that up to about 30%. Um, and now in this deal, Stellantis has pledged $19 billion in U S in, in U S investment, 5,000 new jobs, new product promises for the idle Belvedere, Illinois plant, as well as the Trenton engine, uh, plant here in Michigan, Toledo machinery, which I didn't know those were slated to close down. I didn't know that. Maybe it's because they're, uh, uh they make engines and, and, and EVs don't need engines. um, and my first thought when I heard this uh, was that, uh, no, you, you don't mean Stellantis. You mean GM. Uh, but, but of course, it was Stellantis. My second thought, thank God for Sterling Heights and Warren. I remember back in 2008... Um, when it looked like the auto industry was on the verge of collapse, and all the news stories talking about how all the surrounding businesses were, were struggling, and uh, so I am glad that didn't go on for very long. Yeah,
1: and like I said, I live in that area. I've said in the past, and there are a lot of small businesses in that area that really I was I was hopeful they could get this resolved quickly because I didn't want to see that area struggle.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, and, you know, I I grew up in Clinton Township. I was still living over there, so I was very close to it. And now I live near the Trenton engine plant. So it just shows you that no matter where you live in Metro Detroit. Yep. um, Everyone's affected. Yeah, you're affected. Uh, We got to hit a break here soon, but let's just kind of do a... We'll we'll talk about uh, what happened in Maine at about 535. I just want to update you on what's happened in Israel. Uh, President Netanyahu says the war in Israel has entered its second phase. Ground operations in Gaza have been more of a slow ramp up than an all-out blitz, but they have ratcheted up a pretty fevered pitch over the weekend as well as the airstrikes. Gaza has gone completely dark. Uh, Electricity has been mostly cut. Authorities within Gaza Um, are saying that paramedics are just driving around the streets searching for injured people uh, because, uh, Renee, I believe you have the story. Um, Much of the phone and internet has been cut, but it's slowly coming back on
1: Sunday. Communication systems are once again, slowly being restored. And that's huge. I mean, the communication, the internet that's slowly being restored is so crucial on so many different levels.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure how much it's, it's been restored. I'm sure most of it is severely impacted, but at least it's getting back online. Um, And uh, UN, UNICEF and President Biden, they're all calling for a humanitarian ceasefire to get aid in and try to get more hostages out. Getting reports of looting at the UN warehouse in Gaza over the weekend because the wars uh, because, um, you know, not enough aid is getting in and civil orders breaking down. Uh, Netanyahu said over the weekend that the war is going to be long and difficult, and the Saudi defense minister will be visiting the White House today over concerns of the war expanding. And, and Renee, the longer this war goes on, the bigger, I think, the risk of it expanding um, to to a region-wide conflict, the, the bigger the risk is.
1: It's It's just so scary, Mike. I mean, it's starting to look like an apocalypse over there.
0: Well, I mean, the... The images of Gaza just just completely black over the uh, uh, shoulders of the reporter is just just eerie. And I and obviously I have no sympathy for Hamas terrorists, no. but there are civilians, there are Americans, there are hostages inside Gaza, and they're also without power. They're also without humanitarian aid, or or the humanitarian aid is slow to get in there, and, and few and far between. And they're listening to bombs overhead and and, and tanks moving in in complete darkness. So it's just an absolute nightmare scenario over there. And it's 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 I mean, it was tough when got when Hamas attacked Israel to see all the video of of the people being kidnapped, and it's it's tough seeing the video of these kids getting pulled out of rubble in gaza or or you know these hospitals where kids are laying on the floor screaming i mean that's why they say war is hell because that's what it looks like it looks like hell on earth over there all right uh 516 first thing mike parsons renee vitale wjr the last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with mike parsons and renee vitale on 760 wjr well thank god this manhunt in maine did not last that long. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, I was kind of worried there were shades of Cavalcante there because, um, and, and after today, I'm going to stop saying this guy's name. 40-year-old Robert Card, um, the the guy who opened fire at two different locations, killing 18, injuring uh, a good number more. I think it was 13. Um, he was a former military so you're thinking, okay, well, he probably knows how to run and hide. Sure. And uh, luckily for the folks of Maine, they can at least uh, breathe a sigh of relief. He was found um, dead of an apparent shotgun wound um, on the property. Self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. Yes. Um, on the property of his former workplace, this recycling center where he had been fired recently. Oh, see, and and and, and that makes sense. Especially, I, I that that's new to me, but. That makes sense because of his erratic behavior back in July. Um, he was sent uh, away to an inpatient mental health facility by the military because he was yeah. acting erratically. And police actually searched the property of that recycling center the day before. Yeah. And then the sharp-eyed owner said, hey, you know, there's, there's some trailers over here that you might not have seen. Why don't you go ahead and search that? And, that, and that's where they found him.
1: Yeah. Uh, obviously a very troubled individual.
0: And uh, all 18 victims have been identified. Mm-hmm. Oldest was 76. Youngest was 14. <sighs> there was also a number of members from the death community. They were participating in a cornhole tournament at the restaurant during the shooting. So, um, you know, tragic, tragic ending, but at least um the the lockdown has been lifted the lockdown was lifted a couple hours before his death was announced so i'm pretty sure authorities kind of had an idea it was over but they probably had to do all the protocol and stuff
1: yeah there's relief now they can um, begin the healing process uh, the families of the victims
0: and and this kind of seemed like it was a premeditated murder su- suicide cuz police um found a note on the shooter uh to a loved one they they identified who they thought the loved one was, and the news reports kind of walked it back so we 'll just say it 's a loved one um and he had um like his bank account info on it, his phone password huh. uh so it sounded like this was a a premeditated murder suicide on his part
1: and they said that they were trying to determine at that point how long he may have been dead because he was wearing the clothes that he had been seen in when the shootings
0: occurred. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean if if that if that kind of helps the people affected piece it together, to me the important part is the guy is dead and there's yeah. no more danger to to the community. Right. Right. I mean, 48 hours had to just be an absolute nightmare. Oh gosh, how terrible. Um a, I would say this is probably the first of of the big name candidates who've dropped out of the presidential race over the weekend.
1: Yeah, former president, former vice president, I should say, Mike Pence on Saturday dropped his bid for the Republican presidential nomination, ending his campaign for the White House after struggling to raise money and gain traction in the polls. Pence said at the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual gathering in Las Vegas that it's become clear to me this is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today he said we always knew this would be an uphill battle but i have no regrets pence is the first major candidate to leave the race uh pence's decision more than two months before the iowa caucuses that had uh he, he had staked his campaign on it saves him from accumulation of additional debt as well as the embarrassment of potentially failing to qualify for the third republican primary debate on november 8th in miami
0: yeah, and to be honest, I don't know if it will ever be Mike Pence's time.
1: No. He's, um, you know, it, it obviously, like I said, it saves him debt,
0: saves him humiliation.
1: Yeah. And he's an older dude. Enjoy your time. And yeah. You know, like, step. he bowed out gracefully.
0: I mean, I think he's too far right for half the party. The other half is still mad at him for doing the right thing on January 6th. And right. Certifying the election. And uh, a couple of other people have dropped out, but but like we said, it's significant because he's kind of the first big name, big name candidate, yeah. and and it's time for a lot of these people to start dropping out. Yep, I mean we need to trim the field. Too many people on the debate stage, and and despite Trump's legal troubles, it, it's still almost a foregone conclusion he's going to right. be the nominee. So sure. at this point, I think you got your Vivek Ramaswamis who are uh, jockeying to be vice president um woody woodpecker (laughs) what who called him that me
1: oh that's what he sounds like (laughs) to me when he laughs wow that's
0: some (laughs) stupid i like that i'm glad i'm glad this show can take credit for that
1: nice call renee like that
0: um and you know maybe people could be looking for their backup nominee for the off chance donald trump you know finds himself in federal prison you know before that Uh uh-huh but uh I don't know. And I think at a certain point when people know that their presidential campaigns are over, I I think a lot of them are just kind of, um, you know, they're just, they're just, they're campaigning not for president, but they're campaigning for like lucrative speaking gigs afterwards, lucrative book deals afterwards, jobs on cable news.
1: Self-promoting.
0: Yeah. And so I think the people who aren't running for for vice president are just kind of trying to market themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So... The drama there's no shortage of drama at both of our uh, major universities here. And just when you think what it's, are you
1: talking about?
0: <laughs> and just when you think it's over, uh it's not. But wait, there's more. First of all, the Wall Street Journal, they they reported yesterday that uh Michigan, they were going to make an offer to Jim Harbaugh to make him the highest paid coach in the Big Ten, and they've actually rescinded that over the weekend because of these sign stealing allegations. Um a former Division Three coach said uh, that he was paid hundreds of dollars out of former U.M. Stafford Connor Stallion's personal Venmo account oh. to attend a Penn State game against UMass on October 14th and the Indiana versus Penn State game this past weekend. Spoiler alert, he did not end up going to that game because the heat's on. Um, and now there's actually talk in NFL circles that the that, that sign-stealing scandal might actually hurt Harbaugh's NFL stock. And I think the fact that uh, Michigan is going back on the deal shows that maybe um, there's some fire to this smoke.
1: Uh, how do you prove the, that this is happening? This has my, been my question all along. How do they prove this?
0: I th- well, and, and that's the thing. I, I think anytime there's a, a scandal at a major university, I think that the head coaches are so good at insulating themselves that uh that there's going to be plausible deniability, like this connor stallion's guy he wasn't acting alone he didn't just take it upon himself to say okay i 'm going to go to all these games i'm going to pay people." Uh, all this money, go all these games and, and steal signs. He's definitely the fall guy. I think Jamie said last week that he's making like fifty thousand. He it made
1: fifty five thousand dollars, right? So
0: he's not paying people hundreds and thousands right. of dollars out of his own pocket to go steal signs, right? He's he's just like the he, he's like the money laundering apparatus. Somebody huh. somebody's paying him. He's putting it on his Venmo account that he's paying paying people. So, um, you know, question is. Does Michigan rescinding their offer mean that Harbaugh was directly involved, or does it mean that he just has no control over his program? That's which right, which neither one is a desirable trade in a head coach. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I think you can prove the um, participation of, of of kind of the underlings just by following the money trail, like like uh, Venmo to Conner Stallion's account. But uh, yeah, I think I I, I think. You might have a hard time pinning this directly on Harbaugh, right? Uh, other than saying that he's, you know, he he doesn't have a staff under control. But I'm 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 convinced it probably does go up as high as he does because, um, you know, like, like I said, um, I, I think they're using this guy because he was kind of like a low level staffer and mm-hmm. he's and the fall guy, yeah. And if they and if they lose him, they lose him, no big deal. And then there is that board of trustees meeting at Michigan State University on Friday. Pretty much the upshot was that uh, Brenda Scott, one of the trustees, she wrote a letter calling for the resignation of board chair Dr. Rima Vassar. She outlined 10 allegations um, accusing her of abusing her power and and bullying. And to be honest, Renee, I don't know what a board of trustees does.
1: Oh, that makes two of us, Mike.
0: (laughs) The only thing I find interesting is there's these accusations that um, investigators wanted everyone on the board of trustees to turn their phones over to investigate if any of them leaked Brenda Tracy's name, the woman accusing Mel Tucker of sexual harassment, to the media. And I guess there were accusations that Dr. Reema Vassar would not give her phone over. She said that was a lie and that everyone on the board of trustees Gave their phone over to investigators so that they can look through their text messages.
1: Unless those phones were issued to them by the school, like work phones. Mm -hmm. I only play a cop on TV, Um, but to my work. By the way, thank you. Um, Don't they have to execute some kind of a search warrant to have those? I'm not just giving you my personal phone.
0: That's a good question, and and it's very possible that the phones they use were issued by the university.
1: That's a different story, then. But if those are personal phones, I'm not giving you my phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, even if you've done nothing wrong, you're still not supposed to turn that over. I, I mean, the other thing is, it sounds like they asked. They asked them to voluntarily hand them over which Dr. Ema vassar if if that was the case um she would be within her rights to not give it o- over but it would look kind of shifty like what are you hiding yeah even though like, i just said five seconds ago it's a good idea not to turn right. it over without a warrant anyway yeah. so we'll see um plenty of of drama at both of our uh, universities so a major university so uh at least we can be balanced and uh, we, we can uh, talk about both of them That's in not right. a very glowing light. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. All right, closing out the Monday edition of First Thing, wrapping up for J.R. Morning. And Guy Lloyd and Jamie, the only thing getting me through this Monday is the thought that in 24 hours we will be hearing the dulcet baritones of Lloyd Jackson <laughs> singing we the lions can only hope after tonight's get right game there's no way the lions are going to lose to the raiders and and spoil i know well it's okay there there's no way they're going to spoil lomas's big night uh, as he gets inducted into the ring of honor they're bringing out the the fancy new helmets they are. And uh, it's going to be a joyous celebration. There's a parade, right? Yeah.
2: There's, I mean, is there I really? Think. Yeah, they're going to have a little parade down there. I mean, the yep. tailgating is going to be off the leash. Crazy. It's going to be cold. You guys, it's going to be cold.
0: The official
3: than... party starts at like 2 p.m. Right. right.
0: Downtown, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, that's probably the last time it's going to be warm enough to be outside. So nobody's working today? Down, down. <laughs> Pretty nobody's
2: much. nobody's working everybody's it's a, it's a holiday it's a
0: very long lunch
2: it's a holiday it's <laughs>
1: right. a small holiday you Detroit. know
2: let's let's look into that okay it <laughs> is a monday couldn't we make Monday night football, a holiday for the locality where it's being held. Do we even
1: get mail today,
2: or or do we make Tuesday the hangover day? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, the where you show grace. Now you're
0: thinking, guy. Just look at the reaction to a Monday night game. If this team makes the playoffs this year, nobody Lloyd will be working. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We will. We will have the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday off. You can put that. Oh, you're going all the way. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm all in. I I'm, I'm I'm zero to sixty.
1: Let's talk to the bosses about that now.
0: So back to the parade. Is Lomas gonna be on a float or what's uh what's what's going on with this? Do we have any details? Uh, with what the one today? Yeah. Oh I, I haven't heard anything
2: about it.
3: I have it. not heard parade. I just yeah. heard party.
0: Yeah. Oh okay. Let's get him on top March. of the
1: JR van.
0: Yeah and <laughs> have him wait. Exactly. There you uh so uh Sean Fain threw us a little bit of a head fake over the weekend. Everyone was waiting for the GM deal to get done. Uh, it turns out the strike was expanded against GM, and uh, Stellantis uh, came to a deal, which everyone thought Stellantis was going to be the tricky one. Mm-hmm. The wheel fell on Stellantis. <laughs> 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 Stellantis, you know, guy. Last week, um, I think I, I think you said what this the, the the Ford deal and probably the Stellantis deal because it's it's similar to Ford deal and the GM uh, deal. Once it's it, once it's ratified and 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 they come to an agreement. You said it was going to add, what, like $800 to the, the price of an average car? I saw estimates as high
2: as 300 I saw them a the lower. But kind of the consensus estimate was 875 bucks per vehicle. But remember, the cost of this keeps compounding. So initially it's 875 bucks, but every cost increase after that through COLA, through the built-in things, adds additional costs. And well, I'm wonder, I'm wondering, though, about the tier... The, the tier one, two and three suppliers you know, which ones are gonna come back and which ones are gonna be like, We can't come back. We were out too long and it, it's hard. We're gonna need some type of financial help from the company. If you're a supplier or a component maker, you know that the purchasing people at the big three are going to be looking to squeeze every penny of that it. new labor yes, contract sir. out of you.
0: Yes, sir. You know it. But here's here's my question and guy I know you, you um you're the economics guy. Does the fact that we're going to be having thousands of of auto workers walking around with with thirty percent more money in their pocket will that will that still be a net gain for the economy and kind of cancel out the the added cost of of a vehicle? You know that's a really good question because you
2: know we often talked about how um, profit sharing checks, especially around Christmas time when they mm-hmm. were given, were a huge boon to to the retail economy. People went out and almost immediately spent them. Yeah, uh, this will be you're right mike it's going to be harder to to look at but yeah if they're making more money if it's a net gain the, the question for me is what's going to happen to their profit sharing checks
0: right and and so, maybe that's the trade off
2: yeah um, and if you're you know and it is going to be it's it is an income redistribution you're probably going to see smaller dividends you're uh-huh. not going to see the, the necessarily the stock buybacks or gains Yep. And I got to tell you, there are all kinds of flashing yellow lights about EV sales right now.
0: Do we think a deal with GM gets done this week? Has to get done this yep. week. Yep. Probably. Yeah, I would say. All right. I don't know if this is for uh, public consumption, but I want to get this on the record. I just got a correspondence from Ann Thomas, our program director. She says, if the Lions win the Super Bowl... You guys can have the Monday after the game off.
2: <laughs> you guys, First print all, that out. I no, and, that's oh, right. Oh, yeah, we want it in writing. Again. We want it in writing. Hang G- that up in morning. the studio. Did I not say we we have the best boss
0: in the we world? We do. I, you uh, did. <laughs> all right. Great to be here. Hey, six we already, weeks in. We we are we already got Monday off, guy. You can kind of dial it back a little bit. We are <laughs> oh, down uh, the field. <laughs> we got our we got our Sean Fain moment here. <laughs> JR morning <Borden>, coming up. <laughs> All right. It's first thing. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR.
1: The news cycle's been so crazy over the past week that we didn't even mention the courtroom theatrics of Donald Trump's civil trial in New York, where the former president's being accused of inflating his net worth to trick investors over the span of decades.
0: Political analyst Rashini Rashkumar breaks it down and brings us up to date on all talk.
4: Yeah, Donald Trump was in the courtroom again. Uh, and uh, as so often is the case, when he's in the courtroom, there are some unexpected turns. And that was certainly. The case yesterday, uh, he found himself on the witness stand, Kevin, uh, answering questions directly from the judge. The j- j- judge was concerned that Donald Trump might be criticizing his law clerk again, so he told Trump to get up on the stand and answer for it. And Trump's like, sure thing, judge. Here I come.
3: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Donald Trump was ordered not to talk about the case, so, of course, Donald Trump did talk about the case. Uh, judge says, uh, I'm the boss here. Get up here on the stand. I got some <laughs> questions for you, Mr. Former President. Uh The judge didn't like uh, Trump's answers. I think he thought he was lying in yeah. fact uh Find him ten grand uh and Donald Trump didn't care for that much either uh Let's bring in Rashini Rajkumar, political strategist, attorney, and host of the Crisis Files podcast. Good morning, Rashini. How are you Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on you know why Why, why can't uh, this uh former president Donald Trump get a, a political strategist or a coach uh who can sort of walk him through how to how to go through life a little easier where he's not upsetting judges.
5: He certainly needs one. That's for sure, Kevin. It's really unfortunate that and my guess is the attorneys have tried, right? I'd like to hope his own attorneys have given him some lessons in courtroom decorum. And look, this is just the way it works. It's a natural course in certain high profile cases. And this is certainly one of them that the judge will say to both sides, watch what you're saying outside of this courtroom. I mean, it, and when you think about it in the long run, you actually want the things that are going to be on the record only set in court. And you don't want things that are said outside of court or on digital platforms, social media, to hurt you or hurt any party in a proceeding. So this is why these kinds of rules are established. And if Donald Trump would really think about it, some of these rules, most of these rules, would also protect him. And that's what's really frustrating for me as a lawyer is that his lawyers can't get him under control. And this is like the sideshow continues beyond what's actually happening in court.
3: Yeah, I'm sure Donald Trump doesn't care about the $10,000 fine. But is there uh, any concern he should have about appearing as a witness on the stand in a case against him? I mean, mean, his lawyers can't be happy about that, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, even if you say, you know, nothing you say shall be used against you, it can always be used against you. I mean, it was heard. It was heard out loud. And that can go into the opposite side's court strategy, trial strategy. So you just have to be careful. I mean, I cannot stress it enough for your listeners out there. If they ever find themselves in court accused of something, shut up. You know, only speak based on what you are asked and what your attorneys kind of say are the good parameters to be talking about. So I I have this feeling, you know, we've talked about this over the years together, guys, that Donald Trump will say things that he thinks maybe in his mind it's okay to say or it's rallying the troops for me or my uh, the people who are on my side, it's rallying them. But really, he puts these bombs out there, these firecrackers out there, and they really start out an, a life of their own. And I just would like for him to use a little more caution for his own defense, right? I mean, and it's just the sideshows. I just can't get into it enough. These sideshows are getting to be a little overwhelming.
4: Yeah, they're overwhelming. They are a distraction. They are a sideshow. To to his comments directly, what he was talking about out there was a, a person who is very partisan sitting alongside the judge. It was essentially what he said. So the judge assumed that he was talking about his law clerk calls him to the stand he says what are you referring who are you referring to he said you and Cohen he says he was referring to his former attorney Michael Cohen not the law clerk um how does a judge know that wasn't the case I mean he find him obviously it's it's easy to kind of look at that and say he's probably lying about it but how does he know for sure
5: yeah I don't know that the judge does know for sure but at the same time When there are these either accusations or innuendo, those things are said, the judge probably feels, okay, I need to clarify this. And again, it just kind of goes to what my absolute uh, advice to my client would be if he were my client is please do not just say extraneous things because they will get taken out of context. Then we're sitting here worrying about the he said, he said, and what did you actually mean instead of what's going on in front of you? And You know, when you really boil it down, Tom and Kevin, to what Donald Trump might be trying to do, of course he wants distraction. Of course he wants everything about Michael Cohen discredited. So maybe there is some sort of sense in the chaos for Donald Trump in his own mind that this is helping distract and this is helping to bring the credibility of Michael Cohen uh, further down or into real big question. And that could be an interior strategy of – Donald Trump's. Now, whether his attorneys have any part of that, I don't know for sure. It's not a great idea.
4: Yeah, but I think the attorneys don't like the fact that the law clerk is rolling her eyes, you know, based on certain responses from the Trump team. So the temptation has got to be there for Donald Trump to say, you know, he's got to resist those temptations. It's this intricate balance, right? I mean, he's in the middle of a presidential campaign. And he's got a very, you know, some legal responsibilities as well. He's got to walk this fine line, which most presidential candidates have never had to do before.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's not only a fine line, Tom. It's a tightrope. He's walking the thinnest tightrope ever. And it's in a a normal courtroom, the judge's law clerks, who, by the way, are, you know, 9.9 times out of 10 licensed attorneys themselves, those law clerks are sitting there assisting the judge. They are watching, they're taking notes, they're doing different things. They're the ones who uh, eventually write out the orders and all those kinds of things that the judge, once the judge makes decisions. So it is inappropriate for a law clerk or anyone who is part of an officer of the court to be rolling eyes at any witness. So that is inappropriate, and that is appropriate for Trump's attorneys to bring that up.
0: It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR, We'll be back. We've got uh, an update on the main manhunt that ended Friday over the weekend. And a big name candidate drops out of the race for president.